Welcome to Volume 7 of The Scarecrow of Oz. Chapter 14 The Frozen Heart In the hut of Pon, the gardener's boy, Button Bright was the first to waken in the morning. Leaving his companions still asleep, he went out into the fresh morning air and saw some blackberries growing on bushes in a field not very far away. Going to the bushes, he found the berries ripe and sweet, so he began eating them. More bushes were scattered over the fields, so the boy wandered on from bush to bush without paying any heed to where he was wandering. Then a butterfly fluttered by. He gave chase to it and followed it a long way. When finally he paused to look around, Button Bright could see no sign of Pond's house, nor had he the slightest idea in which direction it lay. Well, I guess I'm lost again, he remarked to himself. But never mind, I've been lost lots of times. Somebody is sure to find me. Trot was a little worried about Button Bright when she awoke and found him gone. Knowing how careless he was, she believed that he had strayed away but felt that he would come back in time because he had a habit of not staying lost. Pon got the little girl some food for her breakfast, and then together they went out of the hut and stood in the sunshine. Pon's house was some distance off the road, but they could see it from where they stood, and both gave a start of surprise when they discovered two soldiers walking along the roadway, escorting Princess Gloria between them. The poor girl had her hands bound together, to prevent her from struggling, and the soldiers rudely dragged her forward when her step seemed to lag. Behind this group came King Cruel, wearing his jeweled crown and swinging in his hand a slender golden staff with a ball of clustered gems at one end. "'Where are they going?' asked Trot. "'To the house of the wicked witch, I fear,' Pon replied. "'Come on, let us follow them, for I am sure they intend to harm my dear Gloria.' Won't they see us? she asked timidly. We won't let them. I know a shortcut through the trees to Blinky's house. So they hurried away through the trees and reached the house of the witch ahead of the king and his soldiers. Hiding themselves in the shrubbery, they watched the approach of poor Gloria and her escort, all of whom passed so near to them that Pon could have put out a hand and touched his sweetheart had he dared to. Blinky's house had eight sides, with a door and a window in each side. Smoke was coming out of the chimney, and as the guards brought Gloria to one of the doors, it was opened by the old witch in person. She chuckled with evil glee and rubbed her skinny hands together to show the delight with which she greeted her victim, for Blinky was pleased to be able to perform her wicked rites upon one so fair and sweet as the princess. Gloria struggled to resist when they bade her to enter the house, so the soldiers forced her through the doorway, and even the king gave her a shove as he followed close behind. Pon was so incensed at the cruelty shown to Gloria, he forgot all caution and rushed forward to enter the house also. But one of the soldiers prevented him, pushing the gardener's boy away with violence and slamming the door in his face. Never mind, said Trot soothingly as Pon arose from where he had fallen. You couldn't do much to help the poor princess if you were inside. How unfortunate it is that you're in love with her. It's true, he answered sadly. It is indeed my misfortune. If I did not love her, it would be none of my business what the king did to his niece Gloria. 
but the unlucky circumstances of my loving her makes it my duty to defend her. I don't see how you can, duty or no duty, observed Trot. No, I'm powerless, for they are stronger than I am. But we might peek in through the window and see what they're doing. Trot was somewhat curious, too, so they crept up to one of the windows and looked in. And it so happened that those inside the witch's house were so busy they did not notice that Pon and Trot were watching them. Gloria had been tied to a stout post in the center of the room, and the king was giving the wicked witch a quantity of money and jewels which Googly Goo had provided in payment. When this had been done, the king said to her, Are you perfectly sure you can freeze this maiden's heart so she will no longer love the low gardener's boy? Sure as witchcraft, your majesty, the creature replied. Then get to work, said the king. There may be some unpleasant features about the ceremony that would annoy me, so I'll bid you good day and leave you to carry out your contract. One word, however, if you fail, I shall burn you at the stake. Then he beckoned to his soldiers to follow him, and throwing wide the door of the house, walked out. This action was so sudden that King Cruel almost caught Trot and Pon eavesdropping, but they managed to run around the house before he saw them. Away he marched up the road, followed by his men, heartlessly leaving Gloria to the mercies of old Blinky. When they again crept up to the window, Trot and Pon saw Blinky gloating over her victim. Although nearly fainting from fear, the proud princess gazed with haughty defiance into the face of the wicked creature. But she was bound so tightly to the post that she could do no more than express her loathing. Pretty soon... Blinky went to a kettle that was swinging by a chain over the fire and tossed in several magical compounds. The kettle gave three flashes, and at each flash, another witch appeared in the room. These hags were very ugly, but when one-eyed Blinky whispered her orders to them, they grinned with joy as they began dancing around Gloria. First one and then another cast something into the kettle, when to the astonishment of the watchers at the window, all three of the old women were instantly transformed into maidens of exquisite beauty, dressed in the daintiest costumes imaginable. Only their eyes could not be disguised, and an evil glare still shone in their depths. But if the eyes were cast down or hidden, one could not help but admire these beautiful creatures, even with the knowledge that they were mere illusions of witchcraft. Trot certainly admired them, for she had never seen anything so dainty and bewitching, but her attention was quickly drawn to their deeds instead of their persons, and then horror replaced admiration. Into the kettle, old Blinky poured another mess from a big brass bottle she took from a chest, and this made the kettle begin to bubble and smoke violently. One by one, the beautiful witches approached to stir the contents in the kettle and to mutter a magic charm. Their movements were graceful and rhythmic, and the wicked witch who had called them to her aid watched them with an evil grin upon her wrinkled face. Finally, the incantation was complete. The kettle ceased bubbling, and together the witches lifted it from the fire. Then Blinky brought a wooden ladle and filled it from the contents of the kettle. Going with the spoon to Princess Gloria, she cried, Love no more, magic art. Now we'll freeze your mortal heart.
With this, she dashed the contents of the ladle full upon Gloria. Trot saw the body of the princess become transparent so that her beating heart showed plainly visible. But now the heart turned from a vivid red to gray, and then to white. A layer of frost formed about it, and tiny icicles clung to its surface. Then slowly the body of the girl became visible again, and the heart was hidden from view. Gloria seemed to have fainted, but now she recovered and opened her beautiful eyes. She stared coldly and without emotion at the group of witches confronting her. Blinking and the others knew by that one cold look that their charm had been successful. They burst into a chorus of wild laughter, and the three beautiful ones began dancing again, while Blinky unbound the princess and set her free. Trot rubbed her eyes to prove she was wide awake and seeing clearly, for her astonishment was great. And when the three lovely maidens turned into ugly, crooked hags again, leaning on broomsticks and canes, they jeered at Gloria, but the princess regarded them with cold disdain. Being now free, she walked to a door, opened it, and passed out, as the witches let her go. Trot and Pon had been so intent upon this scene that in their eagerness they had pressed quite hard against the window. Just as Gloria went out of the house, the window sash broke loose from its fastenings and fell with a crash into the room. The witches uttered a chorus of screams, and then, seeing that their magical incantation had been observed, they rushed for the open window with uplifted broomsticks and canes. But Pon was off like the wind, and Trot followed close at his heels. Fear lent them strength to run, to leap across ditches, to speed up the hills, and to vault the low fences as deer would. The band of witches had dashed through the window in pursuit, but Blinky was so old and the others so crooked and awkward that they soon realized they would be unable to overtake the fugitives. So the three who had been summoned by the wicked witch put their canes or broomsticks between their legs and flew away through the air, quickly disappearing against the blue sky. Blinky, however, was so enraged at Pon and Trot that she hobbled in the direction they had taken, fully determined to catch them and to punish them terribly for spying upon her witchcraft. When Pon and Trot had run so far that they were confident that they had made good their escape, they sat down near the edge of a forest to get their breath again, for both were panting hard from their exertions. Trot was the first to recover speech, and she said to her companion, My, wasn't that terrible! The most terrible thing I ever saw, Pon agreed. And they froze Gloria's heart, so now she can't love you anymore. Well, they froze her heart to be sure, admitted Pon. But I'm in hopes I can melt it with my love. Where do you suppose Gloria is now? Asked the girl after a pause. She left the witch's house just before we did. Maybe she's gone back to the king's castle. I'm pretty sure she started off in a different direction, declared Trot. I looked over my shoulder as I ran to see how close the witches were, and I'm sure I saw Gloria walking slowly toward the north. Then let us circle around that way proposed Pon. Perhaps we shall meet her. Trot agreed to this, and they left the grove and began to circle around toward the north, thus drawing nearer and nearer to old Blinky's house again. The wicked witch did not suspect this change of direction, so when she came upon the grove, she passed through it and continued on, 
Pon and Trot had reached a place less than half a mile from the witch's house when they saw Gloria walking toward them. The princess moved with great dignity and with no show of haste whatsoever, holding her head high and looking neither right nor left. Pon rushed forward, holding out his arms as if to embrace her and calling her sweet names, but Gloria gazed upon him coldly and repelled him with a haughty gesture. At this, the poor gardener's boy sank upon his knees and hid his face in his arms, weeping bitter tears. But the princess was not at all moved by his distress. Passing him by, she drew her skirts aside as if unwilling they should touch him, and then she walked up the pathway and hesitated as if uncertain where to go next. Trout was grieved by Pond's sobs and indignant because Gloria treated him so badly, but she remembered why. I guess your heart is frozen all right, she said to Princess Gloria. Gloria nodded gravely in reply and then turned her back upon the little girl. Can't you even like me? asked Trot half-pleadingly. No, said Gloria. Your voice sounds like a refrigerator, sighed the little girl. I'm sorry for you, because you were sweet and nice to me before all this happened. You can't help it, of course, but it's a dreadful thing just the same. My heart is frozen to all mortal loves, announced Gloria calmly. I do not love even myself. That's too bad, said Trot. For if you can't love anybody, you can't expect anybody to love you. I do, cried Pon. I shall always love her. Well, you're just a gardener's boy, replied Trot, and I didn't think you amounted to much anyway. I can love the old Princess Gloria with a warm heart and nice manners, but this one gives me the shivers. It's her icy heart, that's all. That's enough, insisted Trot. Seeing her heart isn't big enough to skate on, I can't see that she's of any use to anybody. For my part, I'm going to find Button Bright and Captain Bill. I'll go with you, declared Pon. It's evident that my Gloria no longer loves me, and that her heart is frozen too stiff for me to melt it with my own love. Therefore, I may as well help you find your friends. As Trot started off, Pon cast one more imploring look at the princess, who returned it with a chilly stare, so he followed after the little girl. As for the princess, she hesitated a moment and then turned in the same direction that the others had taken, but going more slowly. Soon, she heard footsteps pattering behind her, and up came Googly Goo, a little out of breath with running. Stop, Gloria! he cried. I've come to take you back to my mansion, where we are to be married. She looked at him, wonderingly a moment, then tossed her head disdainfully and walked on. But Googly Goo kept beside her. What does this mean? he demanded. Haven't you discovered you no longer love the gardener's boy who stood in my way? Yes, I have discovered it, she replied. My heart is frozen to all mortal loves. I cannot love you, or Pon, or King Krul, my uncle, or even myself. Go your way, Googly Goo, for I will wed no one at all. He stopped in dismay when he heard this, but in another minute he exclaimed angrily, you must wed me, Princess Gloria, whether you want to or not. I paid to have your heart frozen. I also paid the king to permit our marriage. 
If you now refuse me, it will mean I have been robbed, robbed, robbed of my precious money and jewels. He almost wept in despair, but she laughed a cold, bitter laugh and passed on. Googly Goo caught at her arm as if to restrain her, but she whirled and dealt him a blow that sent him reeling into a ditch beside the path. Here he lay for a long time, half covered in muddy water, dazed with surprise. Finally, the old courtier arose dripping and climbed from the ditch. The princess had gone, so muttering threats of vengeance upon her, and upon the king, and upon Blinky, old Googly Goo hobbled back to his mansion to have the mud removed from his costly velvet clothes. Chapter 15 Trot Meets the Scarecrow Trot and Pond covered many leagues of ground, searching through forests, in fields, in many of the little villages of Jinxland, but could find no trace of either Cap'n Bill or Button Bright. Finally, they paused beside a cornfield and sat upon a stile to rest. Pond took some apples from his pocket and gave one to Trot. Then he began eating another himself, for this was their time for lunch. When his apple was finished, Pond tossed the core into the field. Hey, said a strange voice. What do you mean by hitting me in the eye with an apple core? Then rose up the form of the scarecrow, who had hidden himself in the cornfield while he examined Pond and Trot and decided whether they were worthy to be helped. Excuse me, said Pond. I didn't know you were there. How did you happen to be there anyway? asked Trot. The Scarecrow came forward with an awkward step and stood beside them. Ah, so you're the gardener's boy, he said to Pon, and then turned to Trot. And you're the little girl who just came to Jinxland riding on a big bird, who had the misfortune to lose her friend Cap'n Bill and her chum Button Bright. Why, how do you know all that? she inquired. I know lots of things replied the Scarecrow, winking at her comically. My brains are the carefully assorted, double-distilled, high-efficiency sort that the Wizard of Oz makes. He admits himself that my brains are the best ever manufactured. I think I've heard of you, said Trot slowly, as she looked the Scarecrow over with much interest. But you used to live in the land of Oz. Well, I still do, he replied cheerfully. I've just come over the mountains from the Quadling country to see if I can be of any help to you. Oh, me? asked Pon. No, the strangers from the big world. Seems they need looking after. I'm doing that myself, said Pon a little ungraciously. If you will pardon me for saying so, I don't see how a scarecrow with painted eyes can look after anybody. If you don't see that, you're more blind than the scarecrow asserted Trot. He's a fairy man, Pon, and comes from the fairyland of Oz, so he can do most anything. I hope, she added, turning to the scarecrow, you can find Cap'n Bill for me. Well, I'll try anyhow, but who's that old woman who's running toward us and shaking her stick? Trot and Pon turned around and both uttered exclamations of fear. The next instant they took to their heels and ran fast up the path, for it was old Blinky, the wicked witch who had at last traced them to their place. 
Her anger was so great that she was determined not to abandon the chase of Pon and Trot until she had caught and punished them. The Scarecrow understood at once that the old woman meant harm to his new friends, so as she drew near, he stepped before her. His appearance was so sudden and unexpected that Blinky ran full into him and toppled him over. But she tripped on his straw body and went rolling in the path beside him. The Scarecrow sat up and said, well, I beg your pardon. But she whacked him with her stick and knocked him flat again. Then, furious with rage, the old woman sprang upon her victim and began pulling straw out of his body. The poor Scarecrow was helpless to resist, and in a few moments all that was left of him was an empty suit of clothes and a heap of straw beside it. Fortunately, Blinky did not harm his head, for it had rolled into a little hollow and escaped her notice. Fearing that Pon and Trot would escape her, she quickly resumed the chase and disappeared over the brow of the hill following the direction in which she had seen them go. Only a short time elapsed before a gray grasshopper with a wooden leg came hopping along and lit directly upon the upturned face of the scarecrow's head. Pardon me, but you're resting yourself upon my nose, remarked the scarecrow. Oh then, are you alive? asked the grasshopper. That is a question I have never been able to decide, said the scarecrow's head. When my body is properly stuffed, I have animation and can move around as well as any person. The brains in the head you are now occupying as a throne are of a very superior quality and do a lot of clever thinking. But whether that is being alive or not, I cannot prove to you. For one who lives is liable to death, while I am only liable to destruction. Seems to me, said the grasshopper, rubbing his nose with his front legs, that in your case it doesn't matter, unless you're destroyed already. I am not. All I need is restuffing, declared the Scarecrow. And if Pon and Trot escape the witch and come back, I'm sure they'll do me that favor. Tell me then, are Trot and Pon around here then? inquired the Grasshopper, its small voice trembling with excitement. The Scarecrow did not answer at once, for both his eyes were staring straight upward at a beautiful face that was slightly bent over his head. It was indeed Princess Gloria who had wandered to this spot, very much surprised when she heard the scarecrow's head talk and the tiny gray grasshopper answer. This, said the scarecrow still staring at her, must be the princess who loves Pon, the gardener's boy. Oh, indeed, exclaimed the grasshopper, who was, of course, Captain Bill, as he examined the young lady curiously. No said Gloria frigidly. I do not love Pon or anyone else, for the wicked witch has frozen my heart. What a shame, cried the scarecrow. One so lovely should be able to love. So would you mind, my dear, stuffing that straw into my body again? The dainty princess glanced at the straw and at the well-worn blue munchkin clothes and shrank back in disdain. But she was spared from refusing the scarecrow's request by the appearance of Trot and Pon, who had hidden in some bushes just over the brow of the hill and waited until old Blinky had passed them by. Their hiding place was on the same side as the witch's blind eye, and she had rushed on in the chase of the girl and the youth without even being aware that they had tricked her. Trot was shocked at the scarecrow's sad condition, and at once began putting the straw back into his body. Pon, at the sight of Gloria, again appealed to her to take pity upon him but the frozen-hearted princess turned coldly away 
and with a sigh, the gardener's boy began to assist Trot. Neither of them at first noticed the small grasshopper, which at their appearance had skipped off the scarecrow's nose and was now clinging to a wisp of grass beside the path where he was not likely to be stepped upon. Not until the scarecrow had been nearly restuffed and set upon his feet again, when he bowed to his restorers and expressed his thanks, did the grasshopper move from his perch. Then he leapt lightly into the path and called out, Trot! Trot! Look at me! I'm Cotton Bill! See what the wicked witch has done to me! The voice was small to be sure, but it reached Trot's ears and startled her greatly. She looked intently at the grasshopper, her eyes wide with fear at first, and then knelt down and, noticing the wooden leg, she began to weep sorrowfully. Oh, Cap'n Bill, dear Cap'n Bill, what a cruel, cruel thing to do, she sobbed. Don't cry, Trot, begged the grasshopper. It didn't hurt any, and it doesn't hurt now, but it's mighty inconvenient and humiliating, to say the least. I wish, said the girl indignantly, while trying hard to restrain her tears, that I was big enough and strong enough to give that horrid witch a good beating. She ought to be turned into a toad for what she's done to you, Captain Bill. Never mind, urged the scarecrow in a comforting voice. Such a transformation doesn't last always, and as a general thing, there's some way to break the enchantment. I'm sure Glinda could do it in a jiffy. Who's this Glinda, then? inquired Captain Bill. Then the Scarecrow told them all about Glinda, not forgetting to mention her beauty and goodness and her wonderful powers of magic. He also explained how the royal sorceress had sent him to Jinxland, especially to help the strangers, whom she knew to be in danger because of the wiles of the cruel king and the wicked witch. Chapter 16 Pon Summons the King to Surrender Gloria had drawn near to the group to listen to their talk, and it seemed to interest her in spite of her frigid manner. They knew, of course, that the poor princess could not help being cold and reserved, so they tried not to blame her. I ought to have come here a little sooner, said the scarecrow regretfully, but Glinda sent me as soon as she discovered you were here, and were likely to get into trouble. And now that we're all together, except Button Bright, over whom it's useless to worry, I propose that we hold a council of war to decide what is best to be done. That seemed a wise thing to do, so they all sat down upon the grass, including Gloria and the grasshopper perched upon Trot's shoulder. He allowed her to stroke him gently with her hand. In the first place, began the scarecrow, this King Cruel is a usurper and has no right to rule this kingdom of Jinxland. That is true, said Pon eagerly. My father was king before him, and... You are Gardner's boy, interrupted the scarecrow. Your father had no right to rule either, for the rightful king of this land was the father of Princess Gloria, and only she is entitled to sit upon the throne of Jinxland. Good, exclaimed Trot. But what'll we do with King Cruel? I suppose he won't give up the throne unless he has to. No, of course not, said the scarecrow. Therefore, it'll be our duty to make him give up the throne. How? asked Trot. Give me time to think, was the reply. That's what my brains are for. I don't know whether you people ever think or not, but my brains are the best that the Wizard of Oz has ever turned out. And if I give them plenty of time to work, the result usually surprises me. Take your time, then, suggested Trot. 
There's no hurry. Thank you, said the straw man, and sat perfectly still for half an hour. During this interval, the grasshopper whispered in Trot's ear, to which he was very close, and Trot whispered back to the grasshopper sitting upon her shoulder. Pon cast loving glances at Gloria, who paid him not the slightest heed. Finally, the scarecrow laughed aloud. Brains working? inquired Trot. Yes, they seem in fine order today. We will conquer King Cruel and put Gloria upon his throne as Queen of Jinxland. Fine, cried the little girl, clapping her hands together gleefully. But how? Leave that to me, said the scarecrow proudly. As a conqueror, I'm a wonder. We will first of all write a message to send to King Cruel, asking him to surrender. If he refuses, then we'll make him surrender. Why ask him when we know he'll just refuse? inquired Pon. Why, we have to be polite, whatever we do, explained the Scarecrow. It would be very rude to conquer a king without proper notice. They found it difficult to write a message without paper, pen, and ink, none of which was at hand, so it was decided to send Pon as a messenger, with instructions to ask the king politely but firmly to surrender. Pon was not anxious to be the messenger, Indeed, he hinted that it might prove a dangerous mission, but the Scarecrow was now the acknowledged head of the Army of Conquest, and he would listen to no refusal. So off Pon started for the king's castle, and the others accompanied him as far as his hut, where they had decided to await the gardener's boy's return. I think it was because Pon had known the Scarecrow such a short time that he lacked confidence in the straw man's wisdom. It was easy to say, we will conquer King Cruel, but when Pond drew near the great castle, he began to doubt the ability of a straw-stuffed man, a girl, a grasshopper, and a frozen-hearted princess to do it. As for himself, he had never thought of defying the king before. That was why the gardener's boy was not very bold when he entered the castle and passed through the enclosed court, where the king was just then seated with his favorite courtiers around him. None prevented Pon's entrance, because he was known to be the gardener's boy, but when the king saw him, he began to frown fiercely. He considered Pon to be to blame for all his troubles with Princess Gloria, who since her heart had been frozen had escaped to some unknown place, instead of returning to the castle to wed Googly Goo, as she had been expected to do. So the king bared his teeth angrily as he demanded, "'What have you done with Princess Gloria?' "'Nothing, your majesty, I have done nothing at all,' replied Pon in a faltering voice. "'She does not love me any more, and even refuses to speak to me.' "'Then why are you here, you scoundrel?' roared the king. Pon looked first one way and then another, but saw no means of escape, so he plucked up his courage. "'I'm here to summon your majesty to surrender.' "'What?' shouted the king. "'Surrender! Surrender to who?' Pon's heart sank to his boots. To the scarecrow, he replied. Some of the courtiers began to titter, but King Cruel was greatly annoyed. He sprang up and began to beat poor Pon with the golden staff he carried. Pon howled lustily and would have run away had not two of the soldiers held him until his majesty was exhausted with punishing the boy. Then they let him go, and he left the castle and returned along the road, sobbing at every step, because his body was so sore and aching.
Well, said the Scarecrow, did the king surrender? No, but he gave me a good drubbing, sobbed poor Pon. Trot was very sorry for Pon, but Gloria did not seem affected in any way by her lover's anguish. The grasshopper leapt to the scarecrow's shoulder and asked him what he was going to do next. Conquer, of course, was the reply. But I will go alone this time, for beatings cannot hurt me at all. Nor can lance thrusts or sword cuts or arrow pricks. Why is that? inquired Trot. Because I have no nerves such as you meat people possess. Even grasshoppers have nerves, but straw doesn't. So whatever they do, except just one thing, they cannot injure me. Therefore, I expect to conquer King Cruel with ease. What is that one exception? asked Trot. Well, they'll never think of it, so never mind. And now, if you will kindly excuse me for a time, I'll go over to the castle and do my conquering. You have no weapons, Pon reminded him. True, but... If I carried weapons, I might injure somebody, perhaps seriously, and that would make me unhappy. I'll just borrow that riding whip which I see in the corner of your hut. If you don't mind, it isn't exactly proper to walk with a riding whip, but I trust you'll excuse the inconsistency. Pon handed him the whip, and the scarecrow bowed to all the party and left the hut, proceeding leisurely along the way to the king's castle.